Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach, Samantha Shatek teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hi, Rebel Heart. How are you? I am so grateful for the weather today. It's sunny. It's 80 degrees this whole week in Minnesota. And I think actually across uh, northern America, there was a heat wave. Here's the thing about Minnesota. It's 80 degrees today. It literally feels like summer, even though technically it's still kind of spring. And then in three days, it's going to snow. It's supposed to snow. It's 80 degrees today, and then in three days, it's going to get down as low as 32 degrees, which is the freezing point. So if you are in Minnesota or the Midwest, it is a roller coaster, uh, so hang on tight. We're almost through, but not quite. Anyway, I'm just really appreciating the weather right now. It feels so good to be in the sun and not wear a jacket and not get the dog geared up and all of that good stuff. Today, we are talking about a topic that I love. And it's a topic that's talked about more frequently now. And it's near and dear to my heart. And that topic is having to do with trauma. And it is entitled, You Don't Heal Your Trauma, Your Body Does. So I'm going to dive more into that today. So, you know, trauma is a super complex topic, and in recent years, it's definitely become more of this mainstream topic and even kind of a buzzword, but both trauma with a big capital T and trauma with a little t, as well as chronic childhood trauma, all of it can seem kind of daunting, confusing, overwhelming and almost like this insurmountable challenge that you have in front of you that you feel like is going to be never ending or that you don't know what to do with. Or it might seem like this thing that you're constantly trying to quote unquote heal without any end in sight. And you know, to be honest, in my experience and from the experience of those around me, it really is challenging and it can be a lifelong thing. But I don't think it's meant to be as hard as we're thinking it is. It's definitely not easy all the time, but I just think that the way that myself used to think about this, as well as most of us are currently thinking about it, it's going about it in just a slightly, I don't want to say false way, but there's a different way to view it that's just a little bit more in line with how I see it now. And I think we're just doing it a little bit of the harder way. So not so long ago, people really didn't even for the most part even acknowledge that PTSD or trauma existed. No one knew what it was. But now there is a plethora and abundance of trainings and certifications. And we can take somatic experiencing. There's modalities that are offered to us and are more in the mainstream things like EMDR and brain spotting, which usually therapists are 
the ones doing that, but it's a body-based trauma type therapy as well as QNRT. There's now guided healing sessions, for example, with licensed therapists that use drugs like ketamine for therapeutic purposes, or they'll use psychedelics like mushrooms, LSD, and ayahuasca that have been shown in clinical trials and research to be really effective in healing trauma and PTSD symptoms. And now, of course, there's trauma-informed everything, including yoga and coaching. And I say that with the most respect and reverence for it, but also because it's kind of a buzzword, it feels like everybody's trauma-informed, but really, what does that mean? And what what does this trauma mean? And I think it's different for everybody, but here's the deal. This is the most important thing that I think I want to stress. And it's a paradigm shift, just a slight one. Trauma, in my opinion, and from my lens is not an event that happened to you. Trauma is what happened inside of your body as a response to an event. And so There's this idea that we have to go out and heal and we have to fix ourselves and we have to fix our trauma and heal our trauma. And we don't have to do that. Now, what I mean by that is that our bodies do that for us. Your body will do that for you. Your body in all of its amazing intelligence and inherent wisdom will process your trauma for you. It's just that we have to help our body out a little and give it what it needs. And it's not as hard as you might be thinking it is. And yet it's still hard as hell. Don't get me wrong. So I'm going to explain a little bit more about that now. So from one lens, everything in our life, I believe, can be deduced to flow of energy. Everything in life can be reduced to energy at the most basic subatomic particle level. Now, Peter Levine, in his book, Waking the Tiger, he talks about how in the wild, animals intuitively know how to discharge the excess energy that is generated by the stress of being chased and being almost eaten. And the interesting thing is that with animals in the wild, you don't typically see them with trauma. They don't have trauma. That's a human thing. And some domestic animals can also have trauma. That's a whole different podcast. But basically, animals in the wild don't usually have trauma. So I'm going to give an example. If there's an animal in the wild and it's being chased as prey, it will run And this is flight. This is the flight nervous system response to try to escape. If the predator is about to close in, the prey may try to fight, but most likely it will play dead because this is the best chance of it surviving. And this goes into what we know as freeze mode, which is another function of our nervous system. Now, predators don't like to eat dead prey. So if the predator believes that the animal is dead and it leaves the prey alone and then it'll leave the scene, the animal that was almost prey will then after some time after the predator has left will sense that it's safe in its environment and it will start to come out of this freeze mode. 
Now, I just want to be clear that freeze mode is an automatic response. And this is to protect and numb both the animal and also ourselves from feeling pain if the animal is killed. Freeze mode may look like an animal or a person is dead or calm or not fighting, but really on the inside of an animal's body or a human body, it feels like having one foot on the brake and one on the gas. There's an extreme amount of energy and anxiety, but there's also a shutdown that happens in the body because there's so much energy and so much stress. It's a protective mechanism by our body so that we don't feel so much pain if we're harmed or killed. So we don't have to feel pain. Because there is so much stress and energy in the animal, the body will shut down and not really be that functional because it's overwhelmed, but it's not really unconscious. It's not passed out. It's still very much there and very much full of anxiety and stress energy. And I do want to note too that This response of both the animal and human nervous system is why many times, for example, if a woman is being assaulted or raped, that if she has tried to run away and that doesn't work, and then she's tried to fight and that's not working, her body at some point and everybody's threshold for this is different, will automatically go into a protective freeze mode that numbs that pain and overwhelm of that threatening event. And it's not that the woman doesn't want to fight, but literally her body at some point will become so overwhelmed that it will go basically limp to protect itself. And this is something that our court systems, our judges, our attorneys, and other folks in the sphere that are involved in assault and rape cases still to this day do not understand why women don't fight back sometimes. And it's due to this freeze response of the nervous system that is protective. And it is really truly in that moment, if there is a threat, it's sometimes out of one's control, depending on each person's capacity. Having said that, what happens in the animal is all of that energy built up that stress, that fear, that starts to get released now as the animal realizes that it's in a safe environment. And the animal, if you notice in nature, will start to shake and twitch intensely. What it's doing is it's discharging all that excess energy that was just created in the body so it doesn't get stored in the body as trauma. It discharges all of that energy so that the regular flow of energy can resume. And here's the thing, that animal that almost got eaten but didn't get eaten, it will never be consumed with worry again about the future or about becoming prey in that particular area, whereas a human may have trauma for years thinking about that same location or, you know, an event that a smell that was associated with that event sometimes will trigger us that animal will literally go happily about its life and will only respond to an event as it's happening in a real time present moment. It will not future trip. It will not be afraid of going into that same area. It will not be afraid of getting killed. It will simply respond to a threat when it's happening. And I think that this can be a really key lesson for us as humans. So the problem is one of them of many 
like I said, trauma is complex and I'm not going to go completely into every detail today. But as humans, one of the biggest issues is because we are socially conditioned or pressured to act or look a certain way and not just in public. We feel in front of our friends and family, we still might have to look or act a certain way or put on a mask or hide. And the truth is we don't usually really allow ourselves or our bodies to do what they would really need to do similar to that animal in the wild in order to discharge that excess energy because of how it looks. So whether that be through sighs or moans or yawns or shaking or tears or breathing or running, whatever that is, here's an example. And this is a minor example, but let's say we trip in the middle of a crosswalk and we fall on the cement and we get hurt and it hurts. We might have hurt our ankle or hurt a knee and we're kind of limping and we're maybe bloody, but you know what? We get up as fast as we possibly can because most of the time we're too embarrassed and we want to make sure that no one sees us sitting there rather than just taking a beat and taking a breath maybe assessing our body, maybe letting ourselves cry or shake or breathe or do whatever the body would need to organically do in order to shake it off and to not hold on to this stress response. However, most of us in reality are just not going to do that. We're conditioned so that we wouldn't just sit in the street or in the hall or whatever it is, we aren't going to just let our body shake and cry. And What's sad about that is this is in part one of the many ways that trauma kind of gets lodged in our body is we don't let ourselves feel and process through what just happened on an energetic level. Now, this is just one example. Here's another one. Let's say you're in a car accident and assuming you aren't severely injured, you have to call the police and you have to call tow trucks and you have to call family and you have to get insurance information and then you have to call and make insurance claims and then you're calling doctors. And never mind the fact that your body just got bombarded with an intense energy of the impact. Maybe you got whiplash and also you went into shock but you didn't even take time to breathe or cry or shake or run or do whatever you needed to do and let your body do. You just had to get on with the business of the practical matters of life while your body gets left behind trying to cope with the blow. So the society we live in, in part, just isn't conducive to shaking and letting our body do what it needs to do in order to not hold on to that intense charge of energy. And many times our unprocessed trauma lives in our bodies. It lives in our tissues and organs and it gets reactivated. So if we are thinking of a past event, if we're associating either a current smell or a song or a taste or any sensory thing that was present with another hard, horrible or traumatic past memory Or maybe we're anticipating a future scenario and that's based on the trauma or stressor from our past. Our anxious and fearful or tense thoughts immediately and directly then will create a chemistry in our blood. You got to remember our thoughts, as we've talked about in earlier podcasts, are directly related to our feelings. Our thoughts create immediate chemistry in our blood And will trigger the stress hormones like adrenaline, norepinephrine, epinephrine, 
And that puts us into a fight or flight kind of feeling of stress and being on edge and on guard. And it also takes our body out of a calm, resting state of healing and growth. So we literally are hijacked all the time by our thoughts that help create stressful events, even when there's nothing immediately in our environment that's a threat or stressor. But here's what we can do, though. So this is what I want to suggest instead. If we tune into our environment in the present moment and just breathe, and if we look around and literally scan the room that we're in or the car that we're in or the situation that we're in, we will realize that most likely there is no current or immediate threat. So I want to invite you now to just join me in this brief exercise And whether you're driving in the car or walking, you can still do this exercise. You won't have to close your eyes. I want you to just look around at your environment right now. And I want you to notice if there is a thread in this very moment, even if you're feeling stressed, even if you had a crazy day at work, even if there was a health scare in your family or you're going through something really major in your life. I just want you to notice like right now in this moment as you're hearing my voice Is there an immediate threat? I'm assuming not, or you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Okay, so actually feel yourself and feel if there's a threat. And when you realize there's not, that creates a level of calm and safety because you're bringing your attention into the present moment and you're not letting it siphon into the past and you're not letting it go in future trip about some event in the future that you're anticipating might happen. Okay, so assuming there's not a threat, I want you to notice either something beautiful or something in your environment that you appreciate or love. It could be green grass, a cloud. It could be a beautiful painting or picture or item, or maybe just a gratitude for something that's in your environment. And I want you to then check in with your body and see where do you feel in your body that beautiful thing hits you. So if you have a plant that you love in your office, and that's what you're focusing on, I'm asking myself, where do I feel the beauty and love for that plant in my body? So I'm looking at, I have a plant right now, I'm looking at it. And I'm feeling that, actually, I got chills throughout my whole body. And I'm feeling that in my heart and stomach right now in this moment. And Next time I could look at the hardened plant and it might be somewhere new so it can shift. But just notice where you feel it in your body and then what do you feel? Does it feel, what are the qualities? Does it feel light or relaxing, warming or kind of fuzzy? Just notice how that beautiful or item that you appreciate feels in your body and what it's doing to you right now and what the experience of that is. I'm just taking another minute with that and then wrapping up. We can use this simple awareness technique to attune into the present moment and we can tune into our body's capacity rather than attuning to a negative thought or a stressful event from our past or maybe an anticipation of a future thing or maybe there's a crabby person in the office. We don't have to attune to them. We can attune to our bodies, to our environment. 
And it doesn't mean that we're not aware of our environment and that we're not prepared to react to a threat, but it does mean that we can choose in any given moment what we're attuning to and paying attention to. And so it's really beautiful. We can use all of our intact senses, assuming that all your senses are intact, in order to ground us into this reality that we are probably safe in this moment. And I just want to say a disclaimer that sometimes we're not safe. I will address that in a minute. But when we're using our senses, it also helps us create more safety and capacity by being able and willing to feel that sensation in our bodies. So I call this exercise the five things. So you're looking around your environment and you're noting one thing that you can see. And it can be beautiful, but it can just be something that you're observing too. You're noting one thing that you can touch or feel like a steering wheel, your phone, a leaf, your own hand, a flower, etc. And then you're noting one thing that you can smell if there is a smell. You're noting one thing that you can hear, even if that's silence, but typically in the city, there's not a lot of actual silence. There may be the sound of your dryer or an air conditioner or something to that effect or a dog barking outside. And then you're noting one thing that you can taste if that's applicable. And so this is another way that we can attune ourselves to our present environment, creating more safety in our body in the moment. And I do want to kind of jump back to even if you are in a situation that is stressful, whether it's ongoing trauma or a one-time event, I mean, examples would be if you're living in a war-torn area or have come from a war-torn area, maybe you're a refugee, maybe you're in a domestic abuse situation, or maybe you're a person of color that experiences racism frequently, or maybe you're in a neighborhood or a family that is either in poverty or experiences violence, you can still develop more capacity to meet these events in your life with more skill and a feeling of safety in your body. So what this means is you don't have to constantly attune to the stressor unless it's immediate in your environment. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't be alert and that you shouldn't respond to things that come up. And it also doesn't mean that you should stay in an abusive relationship. Of course, the goal would be to help find a way out of that. The goal is the more that we can stay present with the sensations in our body, the body will then do the work. The more that we can tolerate and be present with these ever-changing sensations, the more we don't interfere with the natural flow of energy through the body. And then the beauty is, is that we can let our bodies do what they do best in order just to allow the energy to flow throughout our bodies. We don't have to fix anything. We don't have to try to process anything. Our bodies are what process the trauma for us. All we have to do is just feel it and acknowledge sensation. And that's it. 
but that's harder than it seems. We sometimes, because of trauma, we don't feel safe or comfortable in our bodies because there's so much sensation and energy that we haven't been feeling that it's overwhelming. We can start little by little just shining our awareness on parts of our body and we can start for just five seconds at a time. Our awareness and our consciousness, which is to me the same as our awareness, it is so powerful. It is so powerful that when we shine that light of our awareness by connecting with our body and feeling those sensations, things will start to happen and flow and shift. And I promise you, in as little as 10 to 15 seconds of this focused awareness, major and minor shifts can happen. Now, if this practice is new to you, or even if you've been doing it, but you're going through something where you don't feel super safe in your body, or maybe it's just that you're so used to disassociating and numbing out from your body and its sensations, that when you do this practice, you might feel numb at first, or you might not feel anything. But the truth is, if you stick with it a little, and if you go a little deeper and stay present, you'll likely discover that really, this numbness is really just a brilliant coping mechanism of the body in order to protect you from being or feeling too overloaded. Because when our bodies feel numb, or if we feel numb to the sensation, and if we feel overwhelmed with sensation in our nervous system because we have too much built up stress and energy, we may actually have a ton of energy, like too much energy in our little bodies for our sweet little nervous systems. You know, our nervous system's capacity to deal with life fluctuates based on so many factors, based on our diet and nutrition and our mindset and our environment and what kind of quality of relationships we're in and do we feel resourced right now and, you know, are we in perimenopause or not and, you know, so many different factors to the resilience of our nervous system and it's ever fluctuating. But the good news is, is that we can always start slowly and surely building our capacity by tuning into one body area or part at a time. And just by doing it for small increments, like 30 seconds, and then building your way up to a minute, we start to cultivate this capacity for our bodies to do the processing. Now, other people might tune in, and you might feel anxious, or you might feel waves of overwhelm, like it's too much. And that's okay, too. That is just usually energy you know, that maybe has been stagnant and it's usually moving and unwinding, but it's usually not comfortable. And then other people on other days will tune in. And when you tune in, you might feel a sense of relaxation or even a softening or maybe a release or tears of gratitude. When you start to feel more of a sense of relaxation, This typically but not always means that you are starting to build more capacity in your nervous system and more of a tolerance to feel safe while feeling your sensations. And you know, there is no right or wrong feelings. The body always knows what to do. It's super smart. So sometimes it's just really difficult and uncomfortable to start feeling sensation in our bodies Because most of us have never intentionally done that for especially for periods of time. And no one has ever 
given us permission or showed us that we could do that or how to do that. And also, until recently, it was a shift for me to understand that I'm not processing anything, that my body is doing it, and I'm giving my body what it needs so that in all of its divine intelligence, it can just do what it needs to do to help energy flow again. And that I just have to be brave enough and patient enough and able to tolerate discomfort enough to just be present with myself. When we use our awareness in order to stay present with our bodily sensations and pay attention to what's happening in our body and in our environment, we then slowly build our capacity to feel. And then, like I said, the body, it's incredible. It'll start to process and heal things. And all we have to do is sometimes give it our attention and not even all the time. But what we can do is start to create a habit of intermittently checking in with ourselves and our bodies more often. When we're eating, pause, feel what's happening in your body. You know, a lot of times binge eating happens because we cannot deal with our emotions or sensations. We don't have the capacity. And so when we binge, it helps us feel numb and push those feelings down. But literally, when we start to build capacity, binge eating will kind of go away on its own for the most part because we no longer have a use for it. So that's just one example of what starts to happen and heal. So when we're eating, we can check in and be more mindful. Am I hungry? Am I full? What's happening in my body? How is this food making me feel? And then we can do it when we're driving. Sometimes we check out when we're driving and meditate or space out, but maybe we check in with our bodies. Or when working at our computer all day, maybe we just have a moment of mindfulness, but make that mindfulness about building capacity to feel whatever sensation is coming up right now. You know, you can stop to check in and feel the sensations and stay with it if you feel safe to do so. But I do just want to say, if you're a person who doesn't feel safe quite yet in your body or with sensations... I totally honor that and I especially recommend that you work with a coach or a therapist who can guide you through this process with you and lead you through it in a more safe container. If you start to feel stressed in life in general, another thing that you can do is just to look around your environment and instead of attuning to the stress or the stress in your mind, you can attune to your environment and to the safety of this moment And you can attune to something beautiful or pleasant in your environment, or even if you have to create it in your mind. Now, if you are actually in a situation in the moment that is traumatic or stressful, do the best you can. And afterwards, try to take care of yourself. Let yourself shake. Let yourself cry. Let yourself, if you need to take a run or go exercise or walk or go do some deep breath work, a couple episodes ago, there's a free 30-minute breathwork session on there you can do that's incredible for helping with processing and healing trauma. You can journal. You can take a Epsom salt bath or get a massage or talk to a friend or, you know, do something that's t- to take care of yourself. And then tune into the fact that in this moment, the trauma has passed and that everything is well trying to tune into the sensations and being with yourself 
in the best way you are capable of in that moment is healing. We can just build our capacity to tolerate, witness, and observe the sensations in our body one little area at a time. Y'all, our body is a miraculous creation, and it will literally help you heal and process your trauma. Really, all you have to do is just help it a little bit by fueling it with your love, your presence, with the right nourishing food, food that is less stressful on the adrenals, so you're not triggering as much of a stress response, and with nourishing thoughts and as nourishing people and environments as possible. I know that's not always possible based on our jobs and situations, but here's the thing. We are always going to have stress in our lives to varying degrees at varying times in our life. But the thing that can change is our capacity to meet that challenge or threat. We can build our nervous systems and our capacity to be with our sensations and our feelings And we can react differently to the same stressors and environmental challenges with a new kind of resilience and a newfound wisdom. So this isn't a solution or a remedy to having a perfect, happy life all the time, but it's a solution to know that you have a home in yourself and that you can feel safe feeling your feelings and just witnessing what's going on in your body. And that is so powerful and it's enough and it's more than enough and it's magic. I just want to encourage you to see what you can start feeling and how you can take little moments of your day to acknowledge more of the sensations that are happening in your body. And instead of attuning to thoughts in your mind of the future or past, see if you can attune to your environment, to the beautiful things in your environment, and to the safety of the present moment. If you'd like more support with somatic experiencing and guidance around feeling safe in your body, feeling like you're expanding your nervous system capacity and building this skill, please join me for my six-month coaching program. We will work on this and so much more. You can go to my page at rebelheartcoaching.com slash work with me and you can sign up for a complimentary consult today and we will get you the help and the support that you need and that you deserve. See you inside.